Hey now, welcome to the Dirty Side of the Track, America's leading Formula One podcast. I'm Brian, that's Rob. Today was the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the last race of the 23 season. And uh, I, I was awake for parts of it. I look forward to recapping what I saw through my eyelids with Rob, but we're happy you're with us. Rob, how you doing, man? Not bad. We got a, a work cut out with us to try to put some silver lining on this one, right? I, I'm already kind of going through like episode titles. Is it Abu Dhabi? Uh, I, I'm not, it, uh, it wasn't the greatest race in the world, was it? Although, you know, let's try to be, um, it's not even positive. Let's just try to say it reflected the entire season. I mean, we'll get there when we get there, but yeah. beginning promised something. And then it very quickly became clear. Max was going to dominate. Yeah. That was 2023 in a nutshell. That's actually, so, great. that's a good way of thinking of it. The, the micro of the race reflected the macro of the season and all 20 cars i almost said all 20 cars finished but i'm stealing a stat of mine from later um Ooh. so yeah we'll get to well that. then let's not stand on our own toes let's uh let's do it hit the news and social uh take a look in the video vault do our last race review of the season oh i oh. can't believe we're at the end of the season already and either. uh not preview any race for next week because there isn't one so uh 97 days yep. 97 days 97 days, yeah, and then we go back around this merry-go-round again. So, um, news and social. So, the news broke this week that Mick Schumacher will be racing next year. Yay! Not in Formula One, though. Uh, he's got a seat for Alpine in the World Endurance Championship. So, he's going to stay as Mercedes reserve driver. Um, we're going to get some kind of competitive driving done over in the uh, Endurance Championship. So, that's cool. Good to see him kind of racing again properly rather than just simulating for uh, the Mercedes lads. Yeah, uh, F2 champion Teo Porcher was saying kind of the same thing. He's He can't go back, so he's got to figure out what his reserve role will be, but plus what. He wants to do something as well to kind of stay fresh. We're hearing kind of that ac across the board. Um, McLaren extended the engine supply deal with Mercedes until 2030. So I saw this come through and, and Rob put it in the notes here, but I saw this come through and I thought to myself, that's a really long time to make an agreement on engines. Do you think McLaren asked for that long of an agreement or did Mercedes require it? Like, I'm just asking because in 2026, the regulations completely change. Well, and how much time do you lock someone in? If I were McLaren, I'd want flexibility to potentially leave. But if I'm Mercedes, I want the contract. I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on. Yeah, what I mean, it so I long. thought it was I thought it was longer because of the new regs in the middle of it. Like you see me through to the 2026, then get over all the teething problems that probably come with the new regs. Uh, yeah, maybe what's it, four years on the new regs. Yeah, maybe that's a little long, but um. I don't know. It's just one less thing to not have to worry about, isn't it? I mean, if you're McLaren, you're not going to go and want to take a Ferrari engine because look at all of the other Ferrari teams out there, like Haas, you know, waving down to them. Definitely not taking a, a Renault engine. So, you don't want to take a Renault engine. Don't want to take. Um, I mean, if you uh, lure Honda back. Yeah, but they kind of come in and come out. Are they really that committed to it? If they're not committed to it, and there's new regs coming out, I, I think Mercedes is your best bet. Why not lock it in? Yeah, They've probably got point. some get out of jail card written into the contract somewhere if they really need it. But yeah. it's one less thing to worry about, I would have thought. Um, yeah, good point. And then this week as well, the F1 commission met. Um, and there are a number of things that came out of this. There's a couple that confuse me. <laughs> Let's get into it. So sounds like the Jedi Council all get round and... Uh, you know, all talk very important meetings and have very important discussions. And then, uh, yeah, they've decided that the sprint race activities will be further split from a Grand Prix, but without giving 
any more indication uh, about what that means? They don't know. It sounds like to be determined at some point early next yeah, year. Well, so that like feels like they all sat around in the meeting and go, right, should we do something about sprints? Yes, we should definitely do something about sprints. Uh, what do you want to do? Uh, further split them from the Grand Prix. Uh, motion carried, we'll sort it out next week. <laughs> Effectively, that's what I read. But um, a few kind of journalists that I follow were... There's rumors in the paddock, so take this with a big pinch of salt. We don't have a pinch of salt um, sound effect. Maybe we should have done the the rumor mill. But um, anyway, that there is going to be a separate championship uh, for the sprint. Oh, um, there is feeling within the paddock apparently that they don't like the points but... counting towards the main championship because lots of drivers don't like it. They'd like the ability to maybe put the reserve drivers in it. But you can't risk it when it's for world championship points. So I don't know. We we well, I say we. I think it was more me uh, suggested that that was the way to go. If you were going to keep sprints and you want to make it its own thing, make it its own thing. I, I'm with and you. bring the reserve drivers into racing it. I mean, I had other ideas. Academy drivers into drive That's what it. we thought. Care. We had ideas. I mean, there's options, but uh, if they are going to split it further, I do like it. My problem's always been it's unrelated. It's a disjointed effort in the middle of the weekend that has really no bearing, but still manages points. I did not know you had this rumor of the separate championship, or else I would have used the chopper. I didn't know that's where you were going. You should you, just okay. say next time, hey, hey, Bry, I need I need the chopper sound. I but there just were... wanted to see how quickly you could react, and you couldn't. So there we go. Was... <laughs> well, I didn't know what you were going to say. There just were like the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, a complete disappointment. Uh... <laughs> um, yes. There were four things that had a little more meat on the bone from that conversation, the commission meeting. One was getting rid of, rid of the tire blanket ban for 25. So they were going to ban tire blankets, and they said, no, we can't do that. I'm sort of assuming Vegas had a role in this because it was so darn See, like, cold. And they're like, oh my God, if we'd send people out on hard tires in the ice like that, we'd have 47 crashes. Like They knew they could not do that, and, and I'm ha happy that they scrapped it because, I mean, you know, let people do what they need to do to the tires. Next thing you know, they're going to allow you to cool the gas as much as you like in Mike Crack's fridge. But uh, we'll see. They Ooh, said no that's work. That's a right throwback reference there. That yeah, is, people are going to have to be listening for a long time to get that one. Well, but just but... remember when Aston Martin started two cars from the pit lane. Okay, so no work on the 26 cars before 25, which... This is the one that confuses me. Because hasn't everybody already started working on them? Well... I mean, it sort of depends what you call 26, right? Kind of like in the cost cap. What's catering? What's Adrian Newey's consulting budget? Like, what are these? What do you call but, it? But what we've do you call heard it? people are already working on the 26. We, we have reported on this pokey little pod about, like, engine development that's going ahead for 2026. There's, there's certain... I think this is a little bit of a... I think this is a little bit of an incorrect headline because of what I, I think the parts of the cars are allowed to be so i think the engine suppliers are allowed to work on it because remember that whole story yes. that we were talking about where you're not allowed to have the ip if somebody leaves one of the engine suppliers and goes somewhere else they're not allowed to take the ip with them all that kind of good stuff well that means engine development is massively underway so this must mean the aero packages do you think the actual like the chassis in the car as opposed to the engine i think yeah that's i'm not sure I how you police too. it Oh, what, you just randomly you send somebody into a into a factory and say what's that car over there uh that's not 26 uh no <laughs> That's our B car for 25, just in case. That's a prototype car yeah, for it's... driving on the underside of tunnels. Yeah, that's, it's... Well, that's what that one is. It's the test car for when Zach Brown wants to drive. Um, the They're going to have wet weather wheel cover tests set for spring of 24. I don't know what that'll look like. I'm very curious to see if it'll just be mud flaps effectively. or will No, it be it's, more apparently, it's, it, like it's a... apparently, this, this still doesn't describe, uh, uh, not describe, this still doesn't uh, account for what, 
we read last time when the, the they did those kind of mud flap type things and it right. failed. And right. the reason it failed is there was still just as much spray because they're saying actually a lot of it isn't coming from the wheels. It's coming from the diffuser at the back, blowing it up into the air. Okay, great. When I did a bit more digging into this one, they're talking about rather than just the mud flaps, almost enclosing the wheel completely in kind of uh, a wheel arch and in everything, right? But surely that still doesn't solve the diffuser thing. Anyway, they're all far more intelligent than me. They'll have thought of that. Mm, I'm sure they will. And then the last, uh, one, the last was, one that came yeah, out of that meeting it. was, yeah, the last one was the scoop for driver cooling, which is that just like a hole somewhere that allows yes. air to come into the cockpit? Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's not really going to help a ton. I mean, we can call it the Logan Sargent rule because the dude was passing out in the heat, but that is not enough. I mean, if they're going to run, you can't run under conditions like that. I think that's really the point. The scoop isn't going to do a lot. Um, okay, I don't understand this one. I saw this as well. I'll hit the headline and then let you kind of hit the color on this one. According to report on Deadline, which is a leading Hollywood website, CBS is in the, quote, very early stages of developing a single-camera workplace comedy with Gunter Steiner, who will be a non-writing executive producer of the show. What? Yeah, I had to check that this wasn't April 1st. I've because multiple sites. This, this is basically the office set in the paddock, by the looks of things. It's, but is it set know, in the paddock? Uh, that's how, well, other places that were describing it was mentioning how it is kind of set in motorsport paddock environment, which is why Steiner's in there as, I guess, executive producer, because he's going to have, if it was like a random, just, I don't know, something set in like a superstore, um, why on earth would he be involved? He's gotten, you know, so it's, have you seen what most of Hollywood makes now? I mean, that's basically what I would expect them to screw up, but anyway. Yeah, maybe it's, I mean. I kind of would have liked it to have been him starring in it. And um, like it would almost be like a spoof version of Drive to Survive where everything <laughs> is like um, just caricatures of themselves, but with Gunther, the main, the main character right in the middle. I think they've missed a trick by having him not in it. So uh, I agree. Oh, well, we'll have to see what comes around on that one. Um, Alfa Romeo was saying goodbye over uh, every social media platform out there, saying thanks for six great years as title sponsor of the Sauber team. Um, you know, off we go. It was great. And then that was followed up by reports saying that it won't be bringing the Sauber won't be rushing to bring the Audi name forward from 2026, which leaves us of two years of, are we going to go back to just the car being called Sauber? I mean, Sauber's existed like forever, yeah, right? but never really been called Sauber. From a variety of um, BMW, Sauber, Sauber, yep. Alfa Romeo, Sauber. I mean, but no, you're right. I don't remember just Sauber. Maybe. I don't know. Peter Sauber has done a lot for motor racing. Maybe it's his time for a couple of years. Maybe they're looking to land a big whale. Maybe it'll be the uh, you know Bitcoin Sauber F1 team at some point. Who knows? Rich Energy Sauber. Oh, geez, don't. Um, you know what it made me think of, though? I have a tremendous streak going, and I'd like to just highlight this real fast. Today, I had to go out and clear some snow off a car, and I put on my blue Haas beanie hat that I got for free at the end of last season before they did the whole rebrand. And I was really excited about my blue Haas beanie hat. And then it was good for about a week. And then they were no longer blue. And I thought to myself, this is fascinating. I just bought the Alfa Romeo black on black United States flag hat like three weeks ago, right? I wore it on this podcast on a YouTube. Um, they're no longer Alfa Romeo. So that hat is now also defunct. That one lasted three weeks. And you may say, well, that's just two cases of bad luck. Okay. Um, I also bought two years ago the Lewis Hamilton Mercedes AMG USA hat 
after Coda, and it was out of service a week later because FTX went bankrupt and I have a massive FTX logo on the side of it. So if I buy something and talk about it, you should not because it won't be around long because <laughs> I have a way of selecting things that aren't good for long. Although, in fairness, the Alfa Romeo wasn't like a shock. So when you I bought forgot. the pack, I forgot. I knew 26 okay. was planned for Audi, but I didn't think they were leaving like tomorrow. I forgot. I know. It's on me. Oh, man. And then, um, being as we didn't really have much of a silly season, we kind of got this reverse engineered, weird, almost silly season story that was, well, it, it was breaking news, but it was also just lighting fires of if you really want to make, especially Twitter, just go into meltdown, bring, it's like random story bag, yeah, right? Put your hand is... into a bag, pull out a character, Lewis Hamilton, pull out a bag, <laughs> Christian Horner. What did he say? Pull out the subject bag. Lewis wanted to join Red Bull. Oh my gosh. And it just goes like into a toxic cycle of despair and nastiness. All that really happened was that Horner did an interview um, and basically suggested that um, there'd been a contact from Lewis's camp to Red Bull about a potential uh, drive. Um, oh, Lewis then denied it and said it was the other way around. Red Bull had reached out to him. Um, and it kind of this big, he said, she said, blah, 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 blah. I think I stole this line off one of the, uh, I can't remember who it was, whether it was uh, one of the ESPN guys or not. They said, Let, let's just remember here. Stop all the, just calm down for a minute. This is literally the job of every team and every driver manager out there to yes. sniff out potential moves 100%. all the time. Doesn't mean there's an actual move coming out, no. but you'd be remiss if you weren't saying, you know, if, if they, if somebody in Lewis Hamilton's management team did have a chat with Horner and say, well, what would the chances be of Lewis coming and joining Max? And if there was a sniff of it and there was an option to it, uh, Lewis would have a conversation, I'm sure. When also knowing your market value is never a bad thing. I don't care what your job is. If someone comes to you or you go to them and they can tell you, yeah, we'd be interested or here's what our development is or we'd be have, you know, having you at 40 million dollars a year i mean the, all those all that's power it's information and there's no harm in gathering it so i saw this whole story and i just kind of scrolled on if i'm being honest yeah I and mean, it was just it was more interesting for me for just the rage that companies the pure i mean if you want to see two fan bases kind of polarized like the red bull fans at the the thought that they approached him and the lewis fans that he went on bended knee to go and beg for a, oh my gosh yeah. yeah, scroll on by, scroll on by. Go on, you you, you found the last little uh, silly season I did. stat. So this actually has two parts to it now. First, if Logan Sargent is confirmed for 24, Will Buxton highlighted that this would be the first time in F1 history that there were no changes to the driver lineups from the end of one year to the start of the next. Obviously, we had changes in season in 23. Uh, we recognize that, but that would be the first time we had that. However, here's the second part. I did manage, because this was a, a nice, good old-fashioned early, early race here in the U.S., I managed to watch some of the F1 Live post-race show. And Laura Winter cornered James Vowles, and they had a nice conversation, a friendly conversation. But then she said, I heard you say to Logan on the radio that we can work on some of this stuff over the winter. Does that mean you want to confirm Logan Sargent right now? Vowles looked at her and said, um, no, that would be totally inappropriate to do at this time. OMG. So they are not ready to say Logan is the driver for 24. Everyone read that little winters, many winters story as a way of, the, you know, a, a contract coming through. And 
undeniably categorically James Viles is like, no, not at this time. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe they're just negotiating the seat. I was going to say, but... yeah, maybe it's one of those, given the position that he's got, if they're in the middle of contract negotiations, yeah. contract negotiations right now, and he comes out on TV and goes, yeah, he's around, then suddenly all power of any negotiations goes back over to Logan's uh, camp, you would have thought. So, well, remind me not to negotiate the... against Vowels because he went hardcore on that one. Yeah, I just think that's that's what a CEO is going to say or a, a principal is going to say until it's actually signed, sealed, right? So Yeah, probably. And with that, should we open the video vault, Rob? Any other news? Let's do it. One last time for the season. Well, one last time. Although we do video vaults, you know, after. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to make it more dramatic that this okay. is the last opening of the season. Next week will be the first opening of the <laughs> postseason. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's uh, that's perfect. So this one actually involves the chopper, but it's not over the rumor mill. It's over Las Vegas. Alex and oh, you Logan. Can find the sound effect now. Well, I was ready for me. I didn't know you were what you were gonna do. Alex and Logan take a Vegas helicopter tour on the Williams Racing Channel. It's just over three minutes. It's worth it. You should watch it. Uh, I want to do this now. I want to do a helicopter tour of Las Vegas more than I've ever wanted to do anything. Because A, the Hoover Dam, they got over the Hoover Dam. And I'm like, how far? I didn't know this. As an American, I should know this. And someone who's been to Vegas a bunch. You know, the Hoover Dam's only a 45-minute car ride from Bellagio. So it's a short helicopter ride. I had no clue. Did you know that? No, I really couldn't have told you. If I'd have had to point to the Hoover Dam on a map, I would have just gone and circled America. <laughs> I, mean, I knew it was roughly out that direction, but I had no clue it was so close. So anyway, uh, that was fun. And then they opened the door of a helicopter in midair. So that, that would be a big nope for me. But otherwise, uh, check it out. Crofty reveals the secrets of the F1 commentary box on Sky Sports F1 channel. Just under three minutes. Real short. I really enjoyed this. He basically walks you in right before they call practice and walks you in, shows you the booth and who's there and what the setup is, the monitors, what they're monitoring and what they're looking at. But they have like a 12 sheet printout on the wall of all the stats and i'm like oh i love that excel file that prints out those 12 charts how do we get that please and i tried zooming in i could not get close enough to figure out what any of it was but uh that was fun and then guillermo goes full-on formula one at the Las vegas grand prix this one also uh, was for fun this was the jimmy kimmel channel Six minutes, if you've never seen Jimmy Kimmel, Guillermo is kind of like his sidekick slash security officer, although I think it's more sidekick at this point. It's six minutes. It was hilarious. So again, Guillermo went to the Vegas Grand Prix and talked to drivers and a bunch of people and took a, a hot lap, and I'll let you guys watch that. And then the last one, the last one is, is a perfect one uh, for me. The last one, and I look everywhere, man. First of all, it's from the NBA Europe channel. So that's how far I look for F1 content. Um, it's F1's finest, Ocon and Leclerc, go courtside as the Lakers and they meet LeBron and much more. So that's, it is what it is. They titled it long and appropriate. It's, it's Esteban and Charles at a Laker game. Um, I loved it. They're behind the scenes. They're talking to players. It was seven minutes exactly on the dot. It was so good. I totally recommend you guys checking that out. And for the last time ever in the 23 season, we will close the video vault. All right. And with that, we can talk about the Abu Dhabi race. I thought it was oh boring. Gosh. How, much, how are we going to fit it all in? I just, you know, there's so much to talk about. It we may go quite quick at this point. Epic race. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm looking through the notes here. When I was 
young and naive and and writing things that predicted a good race so practice fp1 and fp2 i wrote two notes rookies and red flags really yep. summed up all of free practice one and two lots of rookies doing well george finishing top of the leaderboard and trying to not look too embarrassed that he was basically leading the kids round i mean i thought it was the only thing i took from right a lot of kids in fp1 and then max get real uptight and trying to pass people in the tunnel on the way out and the, and they're like no you, you gotta stop doing that so that was basically the highlight fp2 for me was max getting crotchety in the tunnel trying yeah. to pass well because wasn't much else we had red flags everywhere so yeah. and fp3 was max not dominating and seeming to be having massive troubles with the rear of the car and then normally fp3 is a good indicator of what we're going to see especially for some of the longer runs on the heavier fuel loads and he couldn't get a setup that worked and i was like hello i even wrote here will we have a race question mark because survey McLaren says and ferrari and no. mercedes three of them looking like those three were all going to go head-to-head pace-wise and max struggling with the rear of the car i'm like singapore baby here we go singapore so then we get to quali yeah. we lose in q1 we lost carlos which was a shocker um i just and charles didn't look great either i mean at this point i'm thinking what in the world k mag valtteri uh, Joe and Logan, who had times deleted, he didn't get he didn't get a time on the board, which he again, didn't. Well, if you're trying and, and to secure a, bit, a seat, you can't do that. I know, and that that and the most disappointing thing. I mean, it depends depends which lens you want to look at that through, right? Which is that the time that he did put on the board was quicker than Albon, and the second one was the just shy of Albon, right? So in terms of performance. If we forget the fact that he's what a couple of mil over a line, then actually he's driving that car around the track okay. But then, yeah. like you say, but unfortunately, track limits are part of the sport. You need to obey them. The so board. if you can't get a time on the board, then yeah, it's a kind of a he's not doing uh, Latifi and binning it into a wall in uh, quality and not getting through because he's crashing out. He's just not quite polished at the moment, shall we say? So that didn't help him, I don't think. So yeah, Signs was moaning about um, getting caught in traffic. I didn't see that he really I think did. He had a, a late start, um, got, and, like disrupted his timing, and yeah, maybe I, I get a little bit. Um, don't have sympathy for them when they if they get blocked, like properly blocked. Right. Fine, but where you're just having to cut through some other cars that are slowing down on their non fast lap, they're on their in lap. Yeah, you kind of got to deal with that. That like you can't just yeah. come back crying. You're in a Ferrari for God's sake, and you can't get out of Q one. Get a banker in early that gets you through, or at least get out there early enough to get your race in. You don't need yeah, exactly. the tiny bit of four cars track evolution for you. Just get it in. Uh, and then we lost Hamilton, Alcon, Stroll, Albon, and Danny Rick in Q two. Again, at this point, it's getting a little saucy with both a Mercedes and a Ferrari out before Q three. So the question becomes, who? Basically, the only story of the race, who will get that spot in the constructor? That was literally yeah. all Cro Crofty had and Martin had for the whole race. Well, Mercedes and Ferrari, let's show the points. That's all they had the whole... Anyway, I'm done. Q3, Rob. Q3. And then, I mean, Max got pole. Fair play to Max, put in a stellar lap. The only problem was that that McLaren blatantly had more pace in it and Norris yes. overcooked one corner yes. and decided to go sideways and do Tokyo drift around one of the corners and still put it uh, uh, a decent time on the board so like without that I think I think Norris had pole in the bag now what transpired on Sunday would probably mean that wouldn't have mattered but nope. and then Leclerc out of nowhere that Ferrari's looked like a dog all weekend and Leclerc just drives the wheels off that to go and throw it into seconds and we got Piastri third Russell Norris Sonoda up there Alonso Hulkenberg Perez near the back because he had a time deleted and I don't even think the gas man went out, but 
um, that was our top 10. So like you say, the biggest story that was up for grabs was number two in the uh, constructor's title. So you couldn't have asked for it to be more beautifully set up. You'd got Leclerc and Russell well-placed up the top end of the grid. And Hamilton and Sainz wondering what the hell went wrong for them in qualifying <laughs> towards the back of the grid. So, okay, okay, I got two that are going to fight at the front. I got two that got to work their way through the field. This is going to be a good race for, um, for second. Um, and I honestly thought that maybe as well, because the, the McLarens looked like they'd got pace and Russell looked like he got pace. I'm thinking... Max just got not not got lucky. He didn't get lucky because he put a phenomenal lap in, but he wasn't head and shoulders obviously going to be on pole. And we right. had those problems with the rear of the car in practice. I'm like, yes, yes, we're going to have a race. Um, right, you've got some uh, sap stats that you've thrown ahead of I the do. race. Look at this. Look at a you couple notes. getting all yeah, keen. I know, I know. A couple notes, but before we before we do that, we're what twenty four minutes in or so. I don't really record time, so something like that. I got to just say something real quick. We've been getting more hate from people because we're not giving Max his flowers and I'm getting real tired of it. This is his 19th win. We've given him his due 18 times already this year. We've done whole stat shows just about Max. He is a generational talent and half the stats today are about him. So if you don't think we're kissing his butt enough, uh, I'm sorry, but I think we are. He's amazing. We know that. We have to find the other interesting storylines because him driving off the sunset is a two-minute podcast and no one's going to listen to that crap. So we have to talk about the rest because I love it all. That said, I wrote this to Rob and I meant it and I don't know, I don't know how to feel about this. When Checo ended up getting his time deleted and moving from sixth to ninth and I'm like, perfect. Way to end the season with another horrible qualifying. At least we made it to Q3. But like, man, Checo, it's getting so hard to like be your defender every race and you have been my pits so many times at this point and I don't know what else to say but I do have some sats sap stats and unfortunately it ain't really going to help a lot with that Zap Stats Abu Dhabi Quali Edition, not full season but we're doing a season interview one time. Here we go. Qualifying head-to-head -head battles. Uh, my in-laws were in town, and during quali, I was explaining the importance of head-to-head -head battles. It's the only other person you actually race the same car against. Sure, the setups are different, but more often than not, it is the same car. So, what ended up happening this season with head-to-head -head battles? I would say the most interesting thing for me is it felt like Lewis had a good year and George had a bit of an off year. George has said that himself. Yet in quali, they finished 11-11. They were the only teammates to tie each other in the quali battle. The second closest starts sliding. Pierre, and I didn't know this either, and we joked about this. There were times I forgot he was in F1 anymore in the middle of the season. Pierre outqualified Esteban 14-8, and that's the second closest. Now, I will give an asterisk for Yuki and Danny Rick in a second. But before I do that, for the whole season, uh, Pierre outqualified Esteban 14-8. Charles 15-7 over Carlos. We have a lot of 15-7s. Lando over Oscar. Valtteri over Joe. And Nico over Kevin. And I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised Nico Kevin was 15-7. It felt like Nico won every quality battle. I know Kevin yeah. had some strategic ones and some early ones. But it didn't feel that way. Uh, I'll do the flip real fast. Alex, and this was my favorite stat, and I'm probably going to screw it up because I'm going off the top of my head, but Alex outqualified Logan, and we already talked about this a little bit, 22 to nothing. So he shut him out. The last time a driver's been shut out was 2020 when it was Max on Alex. So Alex kind of spun that around. I like that. Good for Alex. 
Um, and interestingly, this is the one I took away as being the most curious. Do you know Max outqualified Checo 20 to 2? That's bad. Right, just so... Okay. 20 to you know, 2, if, same if, car. We're not, just in case we're not giving Max enough love, right? There was... Um, all the Max haters out there, I was looking at some um, uh, tweets or X's or whatever the hell they're called these tweets, days. Tweets, just stick with and, um, and people were saying, oh, look, uh, you know, third t- third title. It's like, no, it's not a third title. It's it's the car. It's not a third title for Max. It's a, it's another title for Red Bull because, you know, the, the new brilliance removes the even need for a driver. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> just stop. I mean, people that write this either don't watch F1, are trolls, are both. I mean, both. if you have eyes and you understand the sport, you, this, this stat alone, plus every other stat we're probably going to hit at the end of the race, just shows right. you how much it's not He's just so good. the car. He's because so good. we have an amazing machine. We've already, we did the newest Veils tale, so we're going to say, yes, the car is absolutely amazing. Then you put one of the world's best drivers in it, and they can't get a tune out of it every week and don't finish top of the pile or second of the pile every single week. You put another driver in it and they absolutely crush the field because they're very, 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 very good. Yeah, he's the Terminator. And they, we've said it over and over. It's an absolute perfect combination this year of brilliant car with brilliant driver. And look Agreed. at that stat, 20 times to two, two in a Red Bull. I know. It's... That's insane to me. That's why I wanted I wanted to highlight these two last Checo pieces before we moved on. And, and the last one, and I know Lance had two top five finishes in a row coming into today uh, in the race proper prior to this. Quali, he got outdone by Fernando 19 to three this season. That's also not great, especially if you think he's the third best driver on the grid. Moving on to the race, Rob. Back to you. What What would be nice to add on to that, Delta? No. Yeah. No, no, no not, not in anybody's defense. Oh. It's just, it just, it just hit me now. Just hit me is the, um, what's the position differential amongst those? Because let's say it was 20 to two, Max to um, Checo, right? However, just in a stupid world, Max was pole position every single time and Checo was second. Well, okay, you got beaten by your teammate every single time, but... I wonder what the positional spread is. Maybe that's something we could look into for next week. Is as well as the kind of the head-to-head, what's the positional spread in that qualification as well? Because yeah. I think Alonso will have beaten Stroll massively in terms of grid positions as well. But if it's they're next to each other every single time, then they're basically doing as well as they can, and they're just not beating each other. And I, I do apologize. I said I'd get to the Yuki one. I almost forgot. So I'm this one. <laughs> I got the last one off the top of my head right. This one I might get wrong. I think coming into the race it was three three Yuki Danny Rick and Yuki outqualified him at Abu Dhabi. So I think it goes four three Yuki to Danny Rick. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay, so we sit down in front of the television for the last time the 2023 season. Fired up. Here we go. Getting ready. Here we yeah. go. Lights out and away we go. And oh my gosh, Charles is right up the trumpet of Max. He puts two moves on him in the first lap alone yes. to try to get past him. He gets alongside in a couple of corners, but Max is brave and keeps his foot down and just edges him out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be pick. And he Max isn't breaking uh, Charles and dropping him by more than a second. So when that DRS comes on, this is nailed on, baby. Charles is going past, and then let's see how it all unfolds. Um, tune in next week for the postseason review. <laughs> we had one lap. You remember oh. Abu Dhabi 23? Yeah, we had one good lap at the first lap. I think lap. it was two. It was no, two laps. By the time they it finished the laps. second lap, it was over a second. So one and a half laps, I'll give you? Yeah, uh, I yeah, think he was just right. something like... No, he was just something like one point... 
one at the end of the second lap just as DRS opened. And then <laughs> he then decided to show about 14 hours of replays of the start line. So we missed nothing the happened. only overtake that happened in the um, lap five. Lando got past Oscar. We didn't see it. Nope, didn't see it. Don't know if it's team orders. Don't know if it's an overtake. Don't know what happened. We didn't see it. And the commentary team was annoyed by a lot of these cuts as well. In oh, inappropriate timed replays, there was a lot of things we didn't see. But I don't get the need for a replay of a star. Right, if there's a crash and we go into safety car, fill your boots. Show as many replays of that start from every single on board that course. you want while we're waiting for the safety car to go in. Right? When do they think we're goldfish and our brains have only got seven seconds? Because <laughs> literally, we've just seen the start. We want to watch and see how this starts playing out in terms of the early laps, because usually the early laps where you get the most movement before people start settling into their race pace. So why rob us of what felt like? Yeah, if, if at the end of lap two, I think they started showing the replays and we missed the overtake that was on lap five. So I think we missed three laps, three racing laps, because we wanted to see a start where not a lot happened. It wasn't even the best start in the world. <laughs> so wow. annoyed. No, it wasn't. And then we ended up with DRS trains forming. Danny Rick got a tear off and had to go into the pits. Max didn't immediately drive off into the distance to Rob's point, even about building a delta on Charles. He didn't do that right away. He, I think he was kind of just saving his tires early. Um, In hindsight, it, he was, yeah. And it gave me three, three questions, or one question with three parts. Here it is, Rob. If you hear one of these phrases, these three phrases, which one is your least favorite? DRS train. Track limits or tire management? Which one makes you want to throw up in your own mouth? Um, okay. I'm going to hit this in least worst to worst. So least worst is DRS train. I don't mind DRS train because it means cars. Like, to me, it's a little bit of a made-up thing that people seem to get angry about because if three cars were all following each other and there was no DRS and they couldn't get past each other because the car in front was defending well or they didn't quite have enough top speed to get past. No one would say anything, right? It's just three cars following each other closely, trying to get past each other, but they can't. Soon as those flaps can open, that whole thing now becomes a DRS train. Oh my God, we got a DRS train. Nobody can get past because of DRS trains. Once everyone's got DRS, nobody has. So we're back to like in the era that I grew up in where there was no such thing and it's just called close following. What do you want? They're all spread out by 10 seconds. And not, I, so DRS train, I don't mind. I don't mind it because I don't actually see it as that much of an issue. Crack limits annoys me because um, I just think F1 doesn't... There's, there's got to be a better way of policing it. That this, this whole, I'm over, all four wheels are over by a millimeter, so the world ends. It's just like, just find put gravel there or just find a better way of making the drivers not want to try and take those extra couple of oh, meters water tank with sharks with laser beams on their head ah, do that my least one the one that drives me nuts that i just didn't wish didn't exist as a phrase in formula one is tire management I, I want to see the best drivers in the world drive the best cars in the world as fast as they possibly can i don't want to see them driving within themselves because oh tire management it just oh tire management now having said that we heard all three in the first 10 laps of this race so <laughs> which is not really you you asked me which one don't i want to hear we heard all three of them by lap 10. yes and we would hear all of them the rest of the way it didn't exactly get a lot better um my last note here at the beginning till i turn it to you for the next few laps oscar got a radio message and sometimes sometimes the timing of these messages it's just chef's kiss 
and we know there's a delay. It's not coming through live, but sometimes it's not much of a delay. McLaren gets on the blower and they say, good job defending as he's defending against George. Good job defending. Love the tire management. Immediately upon airing the message, Oscar goes into a massive lockup. <laughs> Immediately, like the message finishes the next corner, huge lockup. George goes by. All right. Well, well done, McLaren. Great job jinxing him. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I don't know. Not a lot was happening, really, was it? We had no. uh, Checo and Science were kind of making their way through the field. Sort Science, of. Sort che of. But Checo really made it all the way up way to way eighth through. in the Red Bull. I'm like, come on, man. Um, Alonso pitted on lap 13 and Piastro followed him straight in. So now I started getting into. I, I hate my brain for doing this. I wish my logical brain would take over and say, stop romanticizing every race, Mr. Vale, because the romantic side of my brain goes, Ooh, tire deck is going to be higher than they thought. Maybe this is going to be a spicy two or three stopper and maybe Max isn't going to win. And maybe everything's going to be amazing. It, it wasn't, they just pitted early and it, that didn't really seem to have much of a impact on the rest of the race. Um, funny. I love, I love the, how, um, I don't think it's F1. It's every sport. No sportsman ever likes to be in the wrong. Uh, Gasly locked up going into a corner. <laughs> Hamilton wasn't expecting him to lock up, so he then didn't quite react quick enough and ends up kind of giving him a bit of a love tap and kind of breaking his front wing, but not enough. It just was kind of splayed out at right. a bit of an angle, but didn't seem to cause any problem. Okay, fine. You hear the radio message from Hamilton saying, I think I damaged my front wing. They're like, yeah, we're checking. We're going to have a look at the telemetry. We'll let you know. Okay, great. <laughs> then Gasly comes on. He pushed me from behind, man. Uh, yeah, because because you locked up. Yeah, <laughs> you went sliding. He didn't ram you. Left. <laughs> but you know, oh. a professional driver, they can never be wrong. It's always someone else's fault. So then, every, um, everybody hit the pits, as Rob already said, and Yuki led the race for a few laps, which was yes. exciting. And he was interviewed in the post race, and Lando was next to him. They, Lando showed up as well part way through. He's like, "You were leading the race." Uh, yeah, Yuki led the race for a couple laps, and according to the the message from Crofty, was the second Japanese driver to lead a race, and the sixth uh, Franz Tost car to ever lead a race since he's retiring. They highlighted that, and I'm fairly certain they said only two had ever won, which were Pierre and Seb for Toro Rosso uh, Alpha Tauri uh, at Monza, both at Monza, uh, if I got that right. I do have that right, I think. So, did a lot of off-your-head uh, stats today. I'm like, I, they were flying everywhere. I couldn't record them fast enough at 7 in the morning. It's because you were sleeping. Uh, I was. watching, trying to watch through my eyeballs. Through my eyelids. That's what I meant. Through your eyeballs? <laughs> That's how I watch it normally. Oh, uh, uh, And um, when everybody... Well, sorry, when... Um, Esteban and Pierre got together at Alpine. Everybody was kind of saying this is going to be a bit of a spicy relationship because they don't seem to be best buddies with each other. So every time something happens where it kind of raises the temperature, I'm all there for it. I love it when something happens <laughs> that kind of... So um, Gasly was ahead and really should have had the, uh, the call, but they yep. decided to bring Esteban in. And the undercut here is ridiculously powerful. Basically, if you undercut the other driver, you basically get a three-minute head start on them or something insane. It's not three minutes. I made that up. But um, That's okay. So then Gazzy gets on the uh, radio and he just he just demanded to know why why did we make that call? What's 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 the plan? And didn't exactly get a no uh, answer. Great answer. It was a great answer. It was like, have you seen the Lands End catalog for this Christmas time? Is there a gift you'd like, Pierre? Like there was. It was like, oh well, there's a lot of race left. No, you didn't answer the question whatsoever. And then. 
Oh, this is this is no sorry sorry to cut you there, Brian. Because this, if McLaren jinxed Oscar, I then jinxed uh, two cars instantly. Announce because it. I'm looking down the little uh, icons on the left hand side. I'm thinking, oh, okay, Sainz and Bottas have moved themselves quite high up the field now, while everyone else is pitted. They're on the hards. Everyone else is on the opposite way around. That they started on the midgems going to the hards. So. Okay, see how far we can make these uh, hards last. If we can make these hards really run far into the race and then swap to some fresh mediums for the end, we could have a fast science and Bottas picking their way through the field. Oh, no, they're both pitting. <laughs> well, Just no, as I write that. Not quite right away. Right... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They've not quite right in. away. Signs did come in right away, but Valtteri sat out there longer and longer, and those tires just got worse and worse, and he was dropping like a rock on those things. And it, I think he went. Did he go with the one-stopper at the end? I don't know. I, I, I kind of gave up, like looking yeah. what was going on lower down the field. Um, <sighs> sorry, Valtteri. By lap la yeah, sorry, Valtteri. By lap thirty, we had only two cars within a second of anybody else, um, but we did have Lance. I almost said Lawrence Stroll. We had Lance Stroll get Danny <laughs> Ricardo. Um, I will say this: there were overtakes, and here's my hot overtake um, for the the session here. All the overtakes were pretty boring because they were all pretty much done on DRS. And it wasn't even a corner lunge. It was most of them were done. You came out of the corner, the corner prior, corner. right? And you had to be close. There were very few like right at the corner. And there were some, but they were all DRS fueled. And I don't, again, I'm not trying to sound like Rob and his hatred of DRS. It's just that there was no other overtakes anywhere else. And all of a sudden you realize oh. there's two straights and they're all happening on the straight if, or at the, that corner. And I'm like, Ooh. if Vegas was an advert for why DRS, when I like DRS, because it brings you into the zone where you can yep. make a lunge. Then today was the advert for why I hate when I hate it when they don't get it right because it, like you say it was we, we saw maybe a couple of people going around the outside of whichever turn it was you know the one where if they were on the inside they tended to defend it and the right. outside car driver couldn't make it well we did see a couple of people make that stick but that's about it everything else was just DRS almost push to pass type uh, overtakes which were boring yeah then not a lot happened. Not a lot happened really um, until the second round of pits. But again, even then, not, not much really happened. Not happened there either. Yeah, it was Charles, George, Lando, and kind of that, that little bunch up at the, near the top for position. And they went in reverse order. They all went for the undercut. So we had Lando, then George, then Charles. But they came out in the same order they went in, and not in order of the pits, but in order of racetrack position. So order was held. <laughs> and then we had like. Is signs ever going to pit? And I'm not quite sure I've ever heard a team admit the strategy, but science is like, what what are we thinking then, guys? And he went and they came back and went, We are waiting for a safety car. <laughs> we will go to end until safety car. It's like, oh my gosh. So and no one even looked close to losing it today. You know when you get the feeling that a race isn't going to yield a crash? And I don't mean I'm looking for a, a crash, yellow? but I don't think we had nope, a yellow flag. I don't think we even had a single yellow flag, and it just didn't look like one of those races today, uh, unless we had a mechanical DNF that left somebody in a really um, isolated spot. I, I just didn't see anything happening, and we didn't get it. So Signs is completely left out to dry now because they've gambled on a safety car that never came. Um, we had, I mean, this is again, I am not condoning or looking for bad crashes however no. the most exciting thing that happened was norris and perez collided but even that wasn't an exciting crash it was more a little love tap it would have been better if i don't know there was a puncher and some debris and we needed a safety car or something but no they just tapped each other basically and perez got a penalty for it 
Um, and this is now what well, we're into probably the last five laps. And this is the only <laughs> interesting thing that happened in the race, which is that Perez now has to get after uh, Russell. And if he can get past him, he's then got to put his foot down and get five seconds on him. And Perez is absolutely flying at this point. I think he just set the fastest lap. He doesn't hold it because I think Max gets it in the end. But Perez is on absolute flyer. And he chases George down. He nails George. He gets past him. He pulls out three and a half seconds in a lap and a half. I'm like, well, this is easy. This is this is just going to be uh, five seconds. And then he sort of just... I'm sorry, Brian, but then he just reverted to type for Checo. He suddenly forgot how to drive the Red Bull faster. George started pulling him back in again. It got so bad that then mental arithmetic Leclerc has to start going, hang on, if I compute our chances of winning the title, I need to let Perez pass and try to see if I can help him get a five-second delta because he's doing all these mental gymnastics to work out the title. I loved it. So- I loved Charles doing that, but it was so boring. And so he says, he's like, you know what? Uh, I'm happy to slow down and help Checo get away from George. I got to give, and this was mentioned a bunch, so it's not like I'm being original here, but I also agree that it was nice that Charles didn't continue to slow down and just block George because that would have been sort of nasty to break that long, go backwards to hold someone up. It's one thing when you're defending and someone's on your trumpet naturally. It's a different thing to drop back 10 seconds to defend, which he would have had to have done. But he... Dropped back, gave let Checo by, which we didn't see because once again the direction was great. I'm literally screaming at the TV, show us Charles. And they're showing <laughs> us someone else in the race further back. Like, this is a battle for constructor second and, and third uh spot on the podium, and we can't see it. We saw none of it. Um, but yeah, that was that was about it. I do have one piece of news, but since that's kind of a we'll get to the podium and all that and and, and the, the racing. Um, I didn't notice this until right before we came on air. There was one DNF, and I did. I just saw it as well, Carlos. So when he came into pit, they didn't send him back out. Is that what happened? Because I was looking. I went over to look at the final results as as I was mulling over my uh, pits versus King of the Pits, and I looked down to the bottom and I saw, you know, nineteenth Valtteri, twentieth K Mag, one lap down, Carlo dnf he finished 18th but didn't finish i'm like i don't remember seeing that so he must have they when they brought him in they must have gone it's not even worth wasting a set of tires it's Why? just like I, I don't know there were three la- two laps left or whatever one lap two laps left they didn't feel like sending him the last lap for him to be considered ahead of the other two doesn't it yeah well they have met 57 they classified him 18th 57 laps completed same as valtteri and kmag by the time the uh checkered came i i, I don't understand like no i Maybe they just pulled him over waiting for another safety car. <laughs> He's still there now. They're waiting for Latifi to fly in from Canada and rerun the 21 situation. So obviously Max won. We'll get into stats in a little bit. He finished when you apply the penalty to Checo. He finished in front of Charles and George. Checo off the podium with Lando and Oscar behind. Fernando Yuki. And then we had Lewis and uh, Lance Stroll. I almost said Lawrence again. Twice. Are you thinking there needs to be a third car for each team where the principal has to drive? Yes. Almost that wouldn't be Lawrence, that'd be the owner, but you know what I mean. I do. Well, we should either Mike Crack or Lawrence. Should they have, that's the sprint race. Boom. Solved it. Team principal slash owners have to go uh, in the cars. I want to see them shoehorn Zach Brown in there, and I shouldn't Zach make a Brown fat joke because yeah. I'm gaining weight myself, but I'd love to see him try to get his fat Toto, ass is in the he, car. He's quite a tall guy, isn't he? He's he not going like, to like, fit. <laughs> Huge yes. out at the top. Like his, his, helmet above, be his helmet will be way above the halo. The That'd halo will be a car halo, for him. Like, it'll be like a bubble. 
a Pope mobile, a Toto mobile. Oh God, this race was bad. Um, so here's, you know, kind of as a recap it to close, um, a couple things. So first off, um, I think this race needed more sphere. Had there been a big LED bubble in the corner of the track, I'm sure it would have been better. Yeah, uh, I think Sphere could have saved this one, to I'm be kidding. honest, Brian. Um, it was nice, though. It was nice. I'm, I'm going to use an analogy. Uh, it would be like if you were dating somebody and this person was was interesting to you and you liked them, but they had to go overseas for a while. And you're at the airport and you're about to say goodbye and you give this person a kiss and they rip a giant fart. And now you're not going to miss them quite as much as they leave for the offseason until they come back. So thank you, F1, for the giant fart of a last race. But uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry about that. I, I no, that's fine. Any better. I, however, I did like, uh, you know, I like Max's donuts at the end there. That was, it seemed like a very narrow area of the track to do it on. But, um, you know, nice set of donuts just, uh, just to put a cap on the, on the great season. I actually thought Max looked a little emotional on the, uh, on the podium as well. Um, when they interviewed him at the end, he kind of was talking about how it was like bittersweet that that was the last time he was driving that car. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it like that. Is that it has? It's been him and his reliable rocket machine all season, uh, tearing up record after record after record. And yeah, he's he's not going to drive that one again. I mean, I'm assuming Red Bull are going to deliver an awesome car for him again next year. But in a way, it's the great unknown, isn't it? It's kind it of, is. He's, he's, this is, I guess it is a little bit of an end of an era for him. He's had an absolutely historical season. Uh, and, you know, it's like him and his Herbie or his kit. It's, you know, <laughs> man and his car, and he's had to say goodbye to it. So shall we do King and, and Pitts one last time? Yeah, let's do King of the Pits. All right. See, and I still haven't fixed it, so let me get to the volume as fast as I can. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So I'll go first and let you think. Uh, this one's easy for me. It's Max. I mean, I don't even know who else I would give it to at this point. Charles for maybe making what looked to be a wheelbarrow in practice in Q1 and Q2 into something that was on the front row after Q3 and that he had second, finished second. So uh, Max or Charles, uh, Yuki, Yuki would be my third option. Uh, I'm given three options because it's the last race and it's stunk, so I can do whatever I want. So those are yeah. my three options for kings. Well, who's your king of the pits? Who's who's wearing the crown? <sighs> they're all three very very good. Yeah, uh, I'll give it to Max. Picks. Max over Charles. And yeah. So I hate to agree with you in terms of the picks. I would have picked the exact same three drivers, right? Um, I feel bad for not giving it to Max because if I give, like we've said before, if I give Max king of the pits for the fact that he dominated a race and drove off into the distance and won it, I think we, that means we would have given him king of the pits 19 times out of 22. We gave which, him a lot. Which we, we have given him a lot, but um, and Charles, I really want to because that Ferrari did look like a bag of bolts, but actually didn't once he got into race pace because nobody else could catch him. So well, yes, he did a good job. Um but it seems to have enough pace to keep George and others at bay. So um, I got to go Yuki because whenever, where am I ever going to give Yuki king of the pits? Otherwise, if I'm if I'm not giving it to Max because I can give it to him too often, then Yuki the led the race. He didn't put a foot wrong. That I know the Alpha Tari isn't the bag of bolts it was at the beginning of the season where True. it was was awful. And Danny Rick came home a commendable eleventh, but. Yeah, Yuki. I don't think he gets the love he deserves. So as Lando, yeah, as Lando said about him to start the year. Yuki-san. Yeah. Yuki-san. 
Nailed it. All right, so let's right, get to the fire pits. Up, yeah, yeah, fire up the pits. You're the pits. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm. Well, I'll, I'll go first here as well. Let you think. Oh, um, yeah. you, you do it. Okay. Um, I was gonna say Checo. I wanted to say Checo, but he ended up coming through the field, and the penalty was a little bit sus. I mean, yes, it's his fault, but you could have called it a racing incident with Lando. So the five seconds took him off the podium. He would have been third. Obviously, Charles wouldn't have let him by if not for the penalty. Um, but I'm not. I'm not going to give it to Checo. I'm going to give it to someone I like a lot who was a no-show, was Carlos Sainz. How do you get out in Q1? You can. I know. Look at you. Look at the face. You either agree with me or are shocked. I can't tell which because... Okay. But so you, you do Carlos. your explanation, then, uh, and then I'll tell you whether I agree or not. So you you can't get out in Q1 when your constructor uh, second place is on the line. And I don't care about the traffic. As you said, that happens. He wasn't impeded where someone actually stopped in his, on his racing line. At least the stewards didn't think so. And then, yes, he started far back, but he didn't make a dent in a car that was second. So we took, we talked a lot about qualifying deltas. We talked about position deltas today. To me, having, even with the penalty, first and fourth for Red Bull makes sense. Having second and what would have been, even if he did not DNF, 18th does not make sense for Ferrari. And I'm sorry. I know they had to do what they had to do to get him some points, and it didn't work. I know they hung him out for a safety car at the end, and that compromised his race. But he was not on fire before that anyway. So I would say a guy I really like, the smooth operator, is my pits. Yeah, so... I'm close to giving it to Carlo. Actually, I would have given it to Ferrari over Carlo because it's Carlo's fault that he was where he was in qualifying. But when the second in the world championship is on the line from a constructive perspective, and the best strategy you can come up with is to slop him on hards and just see if he can run it as long until there's a safety car. And that's it. You've got no other strategy up your sleeve to try to get him through that where he was at the back, wouldn't he have been better off being on like mediums and just trying to use the pace of the car to get some track position than just put all dice on? Sorry, we'll check on that. So I was, I was hoping you'd take a breath. I was gonna. Wouldn't it be better to? Do oh, this you know, I never we'll do. I know. So, oh, so you're giving it to Ferrari strategy or to, or to Carlos? I I was very very close to giving it Ferrari strategy because I just think that they they had to have had a better way of recovering his poor qualifying showing than just hoping for a safety car. <laughs> do you know? But he didn't make a just, dent. The, like he made some dent, but I mean, it wasn't like he was, he was in. Like, why not go on mediums? Because everyone else remember everyone else around him is on mediums. Most of the most of the field started on mediums. First thirteen Valtteri. cars were on mediums. Yep. Sorry. First thirteen cars were all on mediums. It, it, exactly. And it was just, so. I don't really get uh, if I guess if a safety car has come off at the right time for them, they would have looked like a genius. But that feels like that's just banking on a whole heap of luck. No, the person that's king that gets the pits for me today is just somebody that had already checked out and gone on their vacation. They didn't just didn't seem to do anything was Kevin Magnuson. <laughs> I just you can't give it to Magnuson. Did you see his daughter putting on his gloves and putting his visor down? Okay, he great. Wins. So he, he wins got the cutest weekend. moment. If we had an yeah. award of uh, you're the cutest, then his daughter got that for that I've moment. Got sound, but... I've got sound for that one. No, I'm just kidding. I thought it was great, I, but I yeah, you're right. Magnuson wasn't great, but the Haas wasn't great. Nico ran the he downgrades. He 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 wasn't at least lapped down. He was at least kind of uh, knocking on the door of uh, uh, the people ahead of him, but. 
Ah, oh, I don't know. But it you're just, blaming just, that on Kevin because Ma- I'm looking Kohlberg at Kevin to took me. the up, took the downgrades off, right? He went back to the original car. Nico did, and Kevin had the upgrades, and they were running both or downgrades, running both to see the difference and learn for the next season. I think the car just sucked. But okay. Yes, but I think we'll, a number of times across this season, we've given praise to drivers that have dragged a bag of bolts around a track and got it places yeah. it shouldn't have been. For me, Kevin just checked out today and just went, I'm going to take my yeah. paycheck and All go right. home and look forward to the winter. I just didn't see him. He didn't do anything. He might as well have just uh, retired it because he had no inclination to do anything today. I was very underwhelmed by K-Mag today. Well, speaking of being tired and underwhelmed uh, by the whole situation, shall we hear from PLP Pit Lane Paul? Here's his music, baby. So, Paul, reporting live from after the race. Hey, no. So, um, the final race of the year has been and gone. I've just got to Dubai. We're in an airport hotel. I won't lie to you. I've had a a fair few whistle pigs. I've had a fair few beers. (laughs) It's traditional on the last night of the, um, let's say, season. It's not the season. I'll explain why shortly. Uh, to have a few beers, um, and what I say is not the season. What I mean is there are um, there's there's basically a test on Tuesday, so pretty much most of the teams and some of the drivers have got to stay and then pan around for eight hours on Tuesday, which is I mean absolutely ludicrous. Um, everyone's tired, everyone's emotional, everyone just needs to go home. Um, but no, this Formula One world just says that we need to go and do another eight hour test um away from that let's get away from depression because we need to um abby dabby oh was it a good race um i would no. like you i'm gonna be completely honest with you from my side i i zoned out quite quickly because we had a car that was never going to compete and I think I'm just emotionally discharged from life right now in any shape or form. Um, it looked a good race, so a lot of overtakes, so a lot of exciting things going on. Um, and I think, uh, again, we sort of had what we expected with Max driving way to the future. Um, the close battle between Merck and Ferrari. And I, I, if truth be told, I didn't really follow it. I was sort of like watching from a distance and... Um, and I didn't really understand the point deficit, but I understand it's obviously quite exciting. So I'm probably being a little bit um, idiotic for not following that. But look, I'm a human, and when your car's not doing well, you just turn off. Um, was that with Debbie a good race? Listen, guys, I'm going to hand no. that one over to you. Um, Still and the reason no, I wasn't. say that is I just don't know. I, I, we do. It I'm wasn't. done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. This this year. For the staff, for the workers, for catering, um, people who have literally just worked for the best part of 40 days straight from, you know, pretty much doing 12, 13 hour days. Uh, this schedule needs to change. It's, it's awful. I, it's great for you guys as fans, but oh my God, it's, yeah, it, this one's hurt. And I have no reason to complain, by the way. I have no reason to complain doing the job I do. What I will say is, 
we'll be back next year. We'll be bigger, stronger, better, um, hopefully more competitive, hopefully more fun. Um, I think the sport needs that. Uh, I will say that we we did that with Mercedes. And, and, and actually, I think the plan is for me, Rob and uh, Sapstan, to uh, maybe record an end-of-season episode in the next coming weeks so I'll touch more on that. So, listen, from Abu Dhabi, great, great place. I'm just done mentally, emotionally. Uh, you don't understand the tiredness you go through. Um, so, again, I love you all. I, lo- I love the podcast. I love everything you guys do. I can't offer anything right now other than just tiredness. Tiredness and uh, disappointment so um, yeah we move on we move on I'm looking forward to the end of year episode I could be a bit more enthusiastic over a few beers and a bit more lively right now I don't know if I need to sleep have a beer or have food this is Formula 1 this is how it is you don't understand the tiredness that goes into this and I think if anyone did and no again break would be great to explain this one when you when you know that when you know what the what the guys go through what we go through but the guys more so than me oh jeez it's 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 hard anyway um uh we'll open the go from me take care goodbye oh paul i i oh, hope thanks, you got I hope right now you're sleeping thank you for sending that oh, in yeah. before you got to find a pillow and you deserve a very long break long after Tuesday's testing session uh, ends. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you sending that in. And like you said, what do you say? I've had a few whistle pigs. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that many whistle pigs was doing too much to uh, help the tiredness. Um, <laughs> but no, enjoy it, Paul. Enjoy the rest. And yeah, we will be sorting out uh, an end of season review. Um, so what have we got now? We've got probably the final sap stats of the season. At least the final race sap stats of the season, because we always do off-season sap stats. But because the race was a bit of a clunker, let's go back in time. Sap stats, Abu Dhabi GP 23 edition. Boy, that thing was boring. Okay, so Verstappen won in Abu Dhabi for the fourth year in a row. He had never previously won four consecutive races at the same track. So for a guy who's dominating, just a reminder that um, he's never done that four times at a track. We talked about this one last week, his now on 54 career wins. We talked about the fact he was tied with Seb at 53 for third all time. Now he has third all to himself behind Lewis's 103 and Schumacher's 91. So, I mean, if there is a Mount Rushmore, it's pretty hard to keep him off of it at this point. He ends the year with records for the most single season wins, 19 of the 22 races. Obviously, Checo had two wins and Carlos had one. He had the most consecutive race wins, 10. These are records again. Most podium finishes in a season, 21. Highest points total, 575. But we kind of write that off because every year there's more races and the points have adjusted. And the largest championship winning margin, 290. But as we have often recorded, reported on here on this podcast, that means he did lap the field. He lapped the field. We weren't sure if it was going to happen, and it required a lot to do it. Max is first and has enough leftover points to also be second in the driver's championship. I Crazy. don't know if that's ever happened. That may be a good research. Just figuring out the fact that he lapped everyone took me enough time. And if he were a constructor all by himself, he would have been first there too, ahead of Mercedes, who obviously took second in the constructors. 
Verstappen had 11. It was his 11th hat trick weekend. Again, not a grand slam, but a hat trick for win, pole position, and fastest lap. Ties him with Jim Clark um, with only Hamilton and Schumacher, 19 and 22, respectively, with more hat trick weekends. I don't like the laps led thing because, again, there are more races than before. And uh, if you just count laps, we're getting some shorter tracks than we've had before. But he has 1,003 laps led this season, which exactly equals the total. This one's fascinating. This is Sean Kelly. Total led by McLaren in their 90, uh, sorry, 88 season with Alan Prost and Senna. Total laps for the team when they won, which is insane. Okay. Verstappen was the only driver to complete every racing lap in the 23 season. Talk about reliability. Crofty said that as he finished the cr- across the line. I'm like, holy cow. That's yeah, insane. That, that is nuts. That is nuts. Um, and then a sad one for Williams. James Viles, regardless of who your second driver is, Red Bull will begin the 24 season. Only one win behind Williams. 114 for Williams, 113 for Red Bull for fourth on the all-time list. I'm going to guess Red Bull will be uh fourth alone at some point here when they pass williams early next year uh this is one's for rob leclerc is now winless in three of his last four seasons with ferrari that hurts last year was a good year it just i forgot it was only one year george took a second podium finish of the season both third places but as we already said it helped mercedes clinch second in the constructors however there's a however to this that i found uh just recently it was Merck's first winless season since 2011. Um, Checo was P4. Um, and if you remember, he fell those spots because of the penalty, fell two spots at the finish line. He also lost two spots each of the last two races, one each race on the last lap. So he has not closed particularly strong any of the last three races, even though one was a penalty from earlier. Lando finishes sixth in the Drivers' Championship. He was really tight in, um, in the Drivers' Championship in front of a, a couple people right in front of him, if I remember right. He had Charles and Fernando tied at 2.06 right in front of him for fourth and fifth. So Lando is sixth in the Drivers' Championship. It was P5. Um, McLaren ended up finishing fourth in the Constructors' Championship, um, up one place from 22 because Oscar was there in sixth. Fernando was in seventh today, finishes fourth in the Drivers' Championship. It's his first top five finish in the Drivers' Championship, so being runner-up in 2012-2013. Again, we're going old school with some of these stats. We already mentioned this one, but eighth by Yuki was the first Japanese driver to lead a lap, second Japanese driver to lead a lap, um, to do so after Takumo Sada at the Nürburgring in 04. Uh, But we did talk about that one. Lance finished 10th and also finished 10th, both for the race and for the season. And it was the first season-ending race ever to end without a single retirement. But then I saw the DNF for Carlos, but he classified. So I don't know, like, I'm not going to Yeah. And there's only, as we said when we started, only 97 days to Bahrain GP 2024. And it's, I think you missed one. Did you miss uh, Hamilton now? Two seasons without uh, a victory. Yeah, I I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah, well, hmm to see what next year brings um but yeah, but, one thing but for a guy who didn't around. for a guy who didn't win finishing third in the championship uh without a, a close fourth for lewis that's pretty good i mean there's consistency he had, he had a consistently yeah. decent season not great turn that bag of bolts into what he could um i mean looking at it i don't know if you could ask for much more than that oh no it just uh i mean not really anybody had much of an opportunity to uh win a race this year um so it's not surprising he didn't get a win this year he's probably more likely to have got one last year i guess we'll have to see what next year brings if you're a lewis fan 
Um, but the last thing to put a bow around of the season is the Fantasy League. Let's do it. So, um, okay. So we have provisional points for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, I finished 12th. I just, I'm not going to read down to 12, but I just, I've been so bad recently. Okay. I was pretty excited when I saw 12 next to my name. But so finishing this week, we had in first Team 2, followed by Max Lahren, San Gaucho, El Cuelo, F1, FPL, Rossoneri, Team 1, Relampico, Marquinhos, High Fives, Gunther's Galacticals all tied for fifth. Michael Cronje, 16, who was in a battle for the lead overall, tied with Lando Legends and Lord William II uh, in eighth place, followed very closely by FPL Instinctive in 11th, and then, of course, me. But FPL Instinctive, I man a message... I say because they managed to be close to the top as well. So I think if we flip to all races for the season, we have a winner. We have a t-shirt winner. Rob, if I read number 10, would you read number nine and so on? Because this is the end of the F1 fantasy season for us. Yeah, let's do it. In 10th, Vincendus won racing. No racing. Are you not going to give the point total out? Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Come on, it's the last one. Give the point. Sixty-five fifty-six. In ninth, Max Laren with six thousand five hundred and seventy-three. Because I don't want to read it out the way you did. In eighth, much mistaken. Sixty-five ninety-four. In seventh, Lando Legends six thousand six hundred and six points. These are all close. In sixth, Anakit Pal six six two four. Also very close. In fifth. Lord William II, 6,660 point Arunas. We have a little delta then to number four, Lampico Marquinhos, 6723. And third step of the podium with 6,733 points is one that I'm not going to pronounce properly, which is San Gancho El Cuelo F1. Which we have to talk about in a second, but we will. And then in second... With 6,770 points, Michael Cronje 16, which means, Rob? Top of the shop, cracking open the champagne, getting the winner's trophy with 6,774 points, just four points in it in the end. FPL Instinctive. Four points. Congratulations. That was close. It was six points last week, so it yeah. was two points were clawed in this week, but not quite enough for Michael Cronje. So, yeah, FPL Instinctive. Well done. Welcome. So send us an email at Dirty Side of the Track at gmail.com and we will uh, get you your t-shirt. Now, I promised one last note here on fantasy. Um, Renato had a note on the Discord and he said, I giggle each time you guys read San Gaucho when going over the fantasy results. I don't know who owns that team, but kudos to them for being original. In any case, here is a story behind that name. During the Spanish broadcast of the 2007 Chinese Grand Prix, which was the penultimate race of the season and potential title decider, one of the Spanish commentators couldn't contain his excitement when Hamilton's car got stuck in the gravel, if you remember that, when he was coming around the pit lane, uh, and eventually retired that he started screaming, Seja Enganchado, he is stuck, multiple times, which started coming together and sounding like San Gancho. It sort of became a meme in Spain. Some people even took it as far as saying that San Gancho is a saint that loves wet weather F1 races because the 07 Chinese Grand Prix had rain, which ended up costing Lewis Hamilton. Um, as a side note, Hamilton's retirement gave Alonso a chance to go for the title on the last race of the season in Brazil, hence the excitement of the Spanish broadcasters. We all know how that one ended, though. So Renato with an unbelievable explanation and great backstory for a name I'd been butchering every week. I'd been doing it. Um, and to San Gaucho, Alcuelo F1, 
now that we understand a bit more of the name, well done. Very nice, original done. So Renato, thank you. If you want to learn more amazing things like this from Renato and others and conversations, join us on the Discord in the links to the show notes. And that's that. That is 2023 done, over, in the record books. Um, pretty sure that we will pick it apart a little bit next week. I don't know if there'll be anybody with us reviewing it or whether we'll save that for a bit, let Paul get back and maybe not be quite as tired. Um, but we will, I'm sure you and I will do something just to take a look back over 2023, highs, lows, and everything in between. But yeah, um, thanks Abu Dhabi for giving us a stinker to finish on. <laughs> um, I mean, I can't believe the season's over. Um, I can't believe how dominating Max and that Red Bull partnership was. It was just insane. Um, you know, there's been only a couple of ones that have been as bad as today. I think in the main, we've had, unless you really, really don't like the domination of a car, then maybe you didn't find much to enjoy this year. But we've had quite a few battles throughout the rest of the um, order. So, yeah, you know, pretty decent season. I am looking forward to it hopefully being a bit more competitive next year. I'd love everyone else to catch up a little bit, maximize their wind tunnel times, and uh, see what next year brings us. Agreed. I enjoyed it as well. I thought there were a lot of great storylines from whether it was teams rising and falling, the Aston Martin starting the year, the McLaren and the Alpha Tauri closing the year, whether it was, you know, Mercedes and Ferrari battling for second, um, whether it was Max's total domination and, and the record books being rewritten. I enjoyed all of it. And uh, I was excited to see people kind of come out of the year um, tired, but unscathed. Obviously, we lost Nick to uh, losing his job throughout the year, but we saw flashes of Liam and things like that throughout the season. So I think the future looks bright. I cannot wait for 24 already, 97 days away. I think we just need to say thanks to everybody for listening. This calendar season of 23 will be around as always in the off season with fantastic content, whether it's Vale's Tales or Vale's Tales, but we could also do some Vale's Tales. So we'll see what we can do in this off season. Yeah, there'll be content. And with that, we're going to play ourselves out for one minute here as we say thanks with a little champagne music in the background. Have a great rest of your 23 off season. We'll see you soon in a week's time. <laughs> <laughs>